0: Uh, Today, uh, something different is going to be happening for the majority of the message time. Uh, But I did want to tee it up. We're in this series, walking through the Gospel of Mark. And the idea is, is that you guys, and we've still, you can still jump in. We're doing this 42-day soap study, a nice slow pace through the Gospel of Mark. It's the shortest of the four Gospels. It's the fastest paced. It's actually, it's got a lot of, leaning in, easy to understand. The way that Mark narrates the story of Jesus is that Jesus is this servant. The posture is servant and we see it all the time. So, so good, so inspiring. And then what we do over these 10 Sundays and we're approaching the halfway mark is we lift something as we go that we believe needs to be just emphasized as we journey. And today's was unusual. Today's as I was preparing, we're in Mark chapter six, and I thought, "Ah, the are feeding the five thousands in there. We'll go there. No, I'm going to go somewhere that, as far as I, in my life, I've never heard anybody preach on this particular part of Mark. Because at first read, it's like meh. At first read, it's interesting because it sounds like basically just an in between, an in between Jesus being all-powerful, doing miracles, as we've heard, being incredible, being absolutely amazing for the people who are rejected. He's called His disciples. He's doing what He's gonna do. He's saying some amazing things. And then later on, we see Him doing it even more. More miracles, more power, more teaching, more offensive words to the Pharisees. More of this is all coming up. How are you gonna live? But then there's this little part at the beginning of chapter 6 which is like, there's this and there's this and there's this. But it's in the this piece, which I'll read today, that I think we miss something and that is the humanity of Jesus. Even though he is fully divine, the humanity comes out and we can really relate to that. Remind you again, as a follower of Jesus, life is all about this. Learn the words of Jesus so that I can live the ways of Jesus. And that means I love like Jesus. That's what a Christian is. That's what a disciple is. Discipleship is me to other people, passing on. What are the words of Jesus? How does that form the way I live the ways of Jesus? So that we can be his bride, his church, and we love like Jesus. That's what matters most. That's what matters most. That's how we're going through this today. Uh, I'm gonna just say something here that is beautiful. Uh, We run the Alpha course here at Grace and normally we do it kind of in the spring and in the fall and yet the need has arisen and not just the need but the opportunity has arisen that some people just felt, well, why are we waiting until the fall? We should do one in the summer. And so starting this week, like this Thursday, we're running Alpha again. What is Alpha? Alpha is for anybody, and I want to cover these categories. You're exploring whether or not God is even true or not. You're exploring the Christian faith. Secondly, no, you believe in Jesus and you want to follow Jesus, but you've just got no footholds to put that in. And so it's strengthening. And the third area would be this categorically is you wanna understand and go through Alpha in such a way that it's gonna help you in your growth of discipleship so that you in turn can help lead others in that. Starts this Thursday, you can go online, you can register, but we're also doing an online one that starts the following week. So there's an online one and an in-person one. And so Alpha is in some like 39 different languages. It's impacted millions of people all over the world. Um, it's just a tool that the Holy Spirit has clearly been using. And so I wanted to bring that to your attention and encourage many of you to dive in in the summer. Why not this summer? Do that. Why not? Okay, Mark chapter 6, I'm going to dive in here um, because I want to give us as much time as is realistic for the main part. Mark 6, see what I mean by it not being spectacular here? We ain't gonna see no miracles. Not gonna see anything crazy radical. We're gonna see something really human, really real. And my question for all of you today is gonna be, but what does that look like? What does it look like? Mark 6 verse one, Jesus left there and went to his hometown. That's Nazareth, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who had heard him were amazed. This is a synagogue he'd been going to growing up. It's his hometown. He knows it. He goes to his house of the Lord. He goes and he gets to teach because he's a rabbi. Says this: many when the Sabbath came, he began to teach the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. And we hear a why. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Like, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son? And the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? I mean, aren't his sisters here with us? Like, we know this guy. What's going on? And they took offense at him. I'll talk about that in a minute. Jesus said to them, only In his hometown, among his relatives, and in his own house is a prophet without honor. Some scholars believe his own house being his own house of God, his own church. is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed, Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. Some translations say he was amazed at their unbelief. Unbelief. So maybe when you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, at first first read I went, okay, interesting. Then at second read I went, something's in this. And then at third read I thought, oh, I can relate to this. At fourth read I thought, this needs talking about what does it look like to be rejected, falsely accused, even in your own town, in your own church, to have people say things, do things? What's it look like and feel like for people to go, who do you think you are? What can you say to us? We know who you are. We know your past. We know your family. We know where you live. Big deal. What does it look like to have your identity in Christ diminished, demeaned by your people in your own church, in your own house in your own family what does it mean like to, to what does it look like to feel like that it's a big deal and then this week something happened to me in a moment it's tuesday morning there's a meeting with a guy at seven fifteen tuesday morning for coffee he picked a location so i couldn't even make this up he picks a location we're up in scottsdale we're sat in a coffee shop And we're talking and sharing life. And I look over his left shoulder because on the wall behind him, big, huge, big, huge statement on the wall behind him. I don't really go to this coffee shop at all. And the big, huge statement says this, fuel your story. And you think, yeah, yeah, it's all about caffeine. Fuel your story. Like, Go and live your life and give it some fuel. And I'm like, but then it hit me hard. And the reality is this different sources of fuel. And one of the fuels that came to mind was firewood. The reality is a tree at one point had a purpose and a meaning and here's the story and we plant it and we want it to grow full and we want it to bear fruit and it looks awesome, but it doesn't always go that way. And that said tree that you thought was meant to thrive and flourish ends up dead and chopped up and broken, but it's still not over. And what seems to be over becomes fuel. And I think Jesus is sharing something with us here. To say in the midst of pain, in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of people who you think would only say kind things, but they don't. In the midst of hurt, it's never over. And we don't just flippantly say, oh, God can make all things work for good. Oh, okay, yeah, but there's a reality of, are we prepared to still choose Jesus and let Him that that thing fuel his story? Super interesting. Let me go to the next part of the text, verse seven through 13. By the way, just before I do that word, they took offense. It's not that they were offended by him took offense literally if we were to take it literal is that they slandered him they attacked him they took offense at him not that they were offended they weren't offended they were like the offending was going that way verse 7 then Jesus went around teaching from village to village calling the twelve to him he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Jesus is still here. He's not gone to the cross. He's not yet risen. And yet he says to these guys, I'm getting you ready for what's gonna be. Okay, two by two, I'm gonna give you authority to drive out evil spirits. The authority I give you is that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Already stating it, already starting it. You're gonna face all kinds of opposition, but the ultimate opposition is the enemy, is the evil one. I'm gonna give you authority over that. Wow. And you think off you go, guys. Awesome. But these were his instructions. Interesting what happens here. I'm gonna you're gonna go, and here's the instructions: take nothing for the journey except a staff. No bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. I'm sending you, you've got no safety net, no fallback, no comfort blanket, no security. I'm sending you because what we're about to experience, step one, guys, is my faithfulness will be encountered in your faith walk by faith what does it mean to trust in Jesus it means if he says leave it all you'll leave it all he was wanting to say to them guys you need to know if I am God I am the Lord Jireh provider I am the one who will sustain you you need to know that when you follow me and you serve me you do not need to fear anything or anyone but let's just make it clear no backup plan off you go And then he goes on, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. And when you leave, as a testimony against them, they went out and preached that people should repent. He sends them out and it's like, the kingdom of heaven is near. Repent, return back to God. He's preparing them. Same thing as John the Baptist was doing, off you go. Now we do know the authority that was given them, Jesus then says, guys, when I go and return to my Father, I'm going to send to you on the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. You'll receive power, authority, dunamis. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Same description, hey, here's discipleship. Trust in Jesus, off you go, never on your own, learning from one another, your confidence is just two of you. You're not alone. It's an incredible thing that he does, but it's absolute trust in Jesus. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You experience God's faithfulness when you walk by faith. Just before we dive into the main event in a moment, we were singing that song today, that new one. It's called, That's the Power. If you want to go Google it, get it on Spotify, whatever you want to do. That's the Power. We're singing it and we're going through the bridge. Second time I've sung it today. You should come twice. It's good. Um, so I was leaning in, and I, and I think that song's incredible. And then we were going there, and just as we'd finished it, I, I leaned to Mel, and I went, I, I want to do the bridge again because there was something in it, you know? I was just like, oh So we're right there, and I'm like, literally, this is, this is on the moment. So I just pull up the lyrics for the song because I don't know them, know them yet. Just to remind you, and then we lean in today. Looking at Jesus, I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's camp. And I went, oh, he's talking about us and one another. And I felt like looking at all of you and saying to many of you walking by faith today, I see you taking ground. I see you press ahead. I'm like, oh, I feel. Your power is dangerous to the enemy's camp. I'm like, oh. And then we got to Jesus. You still, you still do miracles. You will do what you said. For you're the same God now as you've always been. God's faithfulness always. And I'm like going, oh, I'm telling you, I was almost going to jump up and lead worship today. I was like, all oh, right, here we go. <laughs> Your spirit breaking out. Ooh. Your kingdom moving in. Your victory claims the ground that the enemy had. I don't know about you, but many times in life, the enemy comes in and wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And we come and we say, no, because my king reigns enough let's get into this today what does it all look like what does it look like to experience that hurt but still go but there's more what does it look like to walk by faith in the midst of lack and struggle and difficulty and so i took a massive risk this week massive risk huge it was way to last week i was thinking this i thought i can't ask her help i can't ask her to do this I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. And Tuesday morning, after seeing Fuel Your Story on a wall, I was like, Des, grow up. At least be a boy, if not a man. And ask her. So I got to my office that morning, and I got on the phone, and I called her, and I said... So this is what Sunday is looking like. Yes, it's Mother's Day, but I still would have done it if it wasn't Mother's Day. It's just more potent because it's Mother's Day. And uh, I I think we should have a chat on the platform. And you should share some things. What does it look like to experience what we saw in the first part of Mark 6? And what does it look like to walk by faith in every season of your life as a wife, as a mum, as a daughter, as a friend? So I asked her, and I said, you can think about it, but I need to know in two hours, which is true, and she went, okay then. Wow. So I'm gonna invite my bride up to come and sit with me today (laughs) in Mo. And over the next 25 minutes, this is totally off script. Those who are here at the nine, all we've got compared to you guys is that we've shared some stories at the nine. She might have different stories to share. I know how we work. If we scripted this, it would be the most awkward thing you could ever imagine. Um, and so we've been married for 31 years next month. Um,
1: That's
0: a long time. <laughs> all right, all right. It feels like five for me. But anyway... Um, we have four adult children, ranging between age 21 and 27, and three boys and a girl, and we have two grandchildren. That's, that's the, there's the headlines. But I wanted to, to lean in because um, there's some things in this woman's soul that I think we all need to hear. And there's some things about what it's like as a young woman, young woman, A mom in the different seasons of life that we can see. And that text is unbelievable when you hear your story. So I don't know what we're going to talk about fully in the next 25 minutes. Um, But here we go. All right. Let's, Let's dive into that not so pleasant bit. Jesus is in his hometown, home church, and they're just flat out mean and not pleasant and rejecting him and expectation and all of that goes on. And um, I know for you, that's part of your story. Mm -hmm. Um, Before we even started dating, it's part of your story. Um, So share what you want from that and what helped you Mm -hmm. still follow Jesus in spite of it.
1: Okay. So um, hard to imagine, but when I was 17, um, you were almost 18. Ago. Almost 18. So it was before Des's time. Well, kind of a little before Des's time. Um, I used to go to a church. Um, there was kind of a smallish church in England. We don't have, like, huge monstrous churches in England like we do here. It was a smallish church. Um, Des went to another, in another circle of friends, another church. Um, and I was um, dating this guy. Um, and I don't, I don't know how you describe it, but it was kind of, um, what, how would you describe the church? I don't know. Like upper, upper okay, class? Okay,
0: so majority wealthy people.
1: Right. There you go. Small church, okay. less
0: than a hundred people. Yeah. Lots of professional, successful people. Yeah.
1: That. And I was dating this guy, um, and nothing awful happened, like between us or anything, um, but is. Is for his family decided that I wasn't kind of the caliber that they wished their son to be seeing. Um, And so there was that side to it and I knew that whilst I was with him anyways. Um, But the kicker was that we were in the same church and I had to go through an experience where um, two of the elders in the church came um, and said... To your house? To my house and, and said it would be best if I left and if I Found another church, um, and it would be better all round. Um, and at seventeen years old, when you're told that, um, it's, it's kind of a, a blow to your self confidence, your your mindset, your attitude towards church, towards church people. Um, it, it's kind of it is a big blow. But that big blow completely, 100% changed the trajectory of my life, completely, and what it looks like, and what it would have looked like if I hadn't have gone through this misery, this trauma um, that I went through at, at 17. Um, and I say that not to like go like, you know, we've all experienced hurt, right? Whether it's in the church or with friends or family, we all experience hurt. And you might have, you know, a terrible, terrible, hurtful time, um, It happens, it's sad. And one of my pet peeves, one of my like frustrations is this whole thing of everybody talks about, oh, I've got church hurt, so I don't go, right? Um, Church hurt. And and it's this phrase that's thrown around and I just like, "That, that shouldn't be a thing. Like we don't get to choose, right? Like what do we do? Go, oh, I got job hurt, so now I'm out, like, you know. We didn't get church hurt. We got people hurt and we hurt people, right? And so we don't get to choose that. That, ju- that is just life. That's what happens. What we do get to choose is what we do with that when that happens. So right when I went had to decide like, well, well I wasn't deciding. Okay, you've got to leave. Well, what, am I, what do I do with that? Where do I go? What do I think? What's my attitude? What's my mindset? Where do I go with that? Um, so I had a choice in all of that at the time. So what did you choose? Okay. Um, So, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, I chose Des in the end. uh,
0: (laughs) 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 Uh, No words uh, necessary. Carry uh, on.
1: (laughs) Wow. Now I've lost my train of thought.
0: So you you're experienced yeah. church hurt, which you hate that phrase, church hurt. Mm. And I just need to lean in. Some of you have got that in your family, in your story. Maybe some of your kids that don't go to church, anymore, they got church hurt. I think it's a, a line from the enemy. You've had church hurt, don't trust church. But you had a choice. Mm-hmm. You could go stick at church. At yeah. 17, nearly 18, I'm out. And I think you've got good reason to be out. However, you didn't.
1: No, and I, I did have those choices. Like, you know, I had the choice. Do I, do I just go, like, this is like, I'm out. Like, this is just no good. Or do I go, okay, well, yeah, that's hurt, but what do I do? Do I believe Jesus or do I not? There's like, not an, there's not an in-between. We don't get to go, okay, I believe Jesus and all he's got for me and he's calling when everything is rainbows and roses, right? And then when things are difficult, go, ugh. Don't know about that right now. So we either choose, we either believe Jesus or we don't. So I had to choose to believe Jesus, even though it looked grim and it looked like I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my next step is. I'm just like this kid at 17 who's going, I don't even, not even figured life out right now. And, but I had to believe that Jesus knew, right? And that's what we have to do. We have to have those, look at those choices and go, So which one do you want to live in? Do you want to live in this point of, okay, um, I had to sacrifice that. I had to go through some stuff, but um, I'm on this journey with Jesus. And it might be hard, but I'm going to choose this. Or do you want to choose, well, that looks a bit too difficult. So I'm going to choose this because I think I know what I want to do. And then live with that, what if? I said no to Jesus. What if I hadn't? So which one do you want to live in? Like, I know which one I want to live in. I want to live in the fact that this might not be great. And 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 I know many of you here know um, Dave Butler and his, his kind of mantra for life, like, embrace the suck. And that's kind of what, like, the Wadsworths kind of took on when we first came here. It was, like, part of our story. We've got this stuff that happens that's not great, but... What do you
0: do? Are you gonna choose Jesus or are you not? And can I just lean in? You hear people, oh, I'm still choosing Jesus, but I'm rejecting his church. That's like, and I just say it, that is saying to Jesus, your bride is ugly. Okay, Jesus, you're great, but your wife stinks. It's literal. You don't get either or. You choose Jesus, you love Jesus, and his bride is his plan A for the redemption of the world. Therefore, choosing Jesus is still, you belong in the body of Christ. It's not an option. That's why the enemy likes to use this church, hurt.
1: And people are gonna hurt you, like even in churches, it's a shocker, but it it, is gonna happen. And you know, over our time, we've had people telling us, you know, Almost strangers almost really, you know, hey, you, we don 't think you're parenting right, this is what you should be doing, or this is how you should be doing it, and we 've gone through all that kind of struggle and, and frustration and um, but that's that 's just a part of life. we can 't keep doing this, oh, this is terrible, these people said this to me now i 'm out like it, you, we it's too up and down for in life and, and Jesus has called you to a thing, whatever that is. He's called you to a situation. He's called you on this journey. So stay in the, sa- the right car on the right, right lane and, and stick in that rather than letting something that happens pull you off that.
0: Let's dive in because of time. Jesus then moves in. He calls his 12 and he sends them out, but he gives them instructions this time. Okay, go, no safety net, no backup plan, no other trust, just Jesus. No money, no food, no anything, no identity. Off you go, trust me in this. This is what I wanna do. And that's symbolic for your whole life. Trusting in Jesus, walking by faith, doesn't mean that literally all of you now do exactly like that, but it is a posture of do you trust Jesus? Are you walking by faith? Because that's when you experience his Faithfulness. So you're off any plan here, Mel. You can go anywhere you want with this. As a young woman, as a young wife, young mum, different seasons of being a parent, even in recent days, whatever. Share with us, if you would, some choices, the by faith steps that you've had to live in um, that have literally been it's all Jesus, and without Jesus, done.
1: Um, one that comes to mind, like, as a mum, it's Mother's Day, and as a mum, as Des said, we've got four kids, and but they're all, like, grown now. They're all adults themselves. Um, but when they were younger, we had um, one particular season um, that was particularly difficult. It, well, it was more than difficult. <laughs> and you know if you're a mum, you take on your every single child's emotions, right? Whatever they give to you, whatever they say of their emotions, it, you, just, you just live it out in your head, like, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes I say to do you want to jump in my head right now? Like, it's, it's wild. And um, So we had this season in life in life when our kids were young, young. Um, and in England, you go to school, uh, high school when you're 11. So it's kind of a, a, a scary place to go at 11. And we had one particular kid that um, completely struggled massively with um, anxiety panic attacks um, it affected his health his immune system um, he got like he got these these moments of um, what would you call it, um, like obsessing about things. Um, nothing could be changed in scheduling. Nothing could change at the last second. And it got overwhelming and the coming out of, like just running out of school just because it was too overwhelming for them. And we had all this going on and I was working full time. I was a kids pastor at the time and Des was um, lead pastor and life was wild. And this was going on and it was taking over my whole being, my everything. I just couldn't stop thinking about how am I going to do this. I need to research how I deal with this and, you know, what it looks like. And I even remember being in the car one day and I was driving on my own. And I literally, because my brain was like so mental, I I forgot where I was going. Literally forgot where I was driving. I had to stop the car at the side of the road and go, oh my goodness, where the heck am I going? And I remember at that moment saying, like, Jesus, what what am I supposed to do? Like... I've got these responsibilities, but what are you calling me to do right now? Yeah? Um, So we have these responsibilities. We have these things that go on in life. But Jesus, what are you calling me to? What is this right now? And the clear thing from all of that was that I was going to stop working and concentrate on what was going on with this particular one of ours and and deal with all of that and be there 24 7 flexible and all that that looked like um but that came with the sacrifice obviously like I was working full time
0: did Jesus say to you you have to stop work to do this was it a calling or a logical decision
1: I think it was a bit of both, honestly, because I've been pouring my heart out to Jesus and saying like, this is a lot, and I don't know which way to turn. Um, And I I feel like he said, it's okay, you deal with this. So I kind of, yeah. Yeah. Um, So the financial thing of all that was like a massive burden. So then I'm having to think, right, okay, so how does a wife go about going to the husband and going, oh, hey, well, (laughs) we're not gonna have my salary anymore. Um, it was a lot, you know, we didn't have spare money, we didn't have spare finances, Um, but I knew I had to do this, I had to do it, this is what, for that season God was calling me to do, so I stopped work, and was it easy, was it, did everything go according to plan, did it look great just because I'd followed Jesus and done what I I kind of felt um, was the way to go? No, it didn't, not at all, and and there were times where it's a real struggle, um, but I believed Jesus. I believed it when he told me, and I still had to believe it when we were going through it. And we would have people turn up at our doorstep with bags of groceries, giving us money for gas because of the season we we're in. And we came through that, um, and it, you know everything kind of smoothed out. But for a time, it was the unknown. It was the unknown. Like, I have to just go along with this. I have to believe that Jesus has got a plan. I might not know what it is, but I have to believe that Jesus has got a plan.
0: So I'm looking at time. There's so many stories we could share, but let me just lean into a, a big one. You're a mom, the kids are age 11 to 17 but you're also a daughter yourself. Your own parents lived 10 minutes away your whole life. And then you're a mom with these four preteen and teens. And we get this prompting the Lord potentially saying, are you prepared to leave England and move to the United States? They've, They've heard sprinklings of my version of the story. I'll take a bit of a risk here. But what about you? What was that like as a mom, as a wife, as a daughter, that season? Um, share with us any stories about all of that, because it was a long time. It was like probably around about a year from the start to the actual thing. So what did that look like? Because that's Jesus saying, this is what I want you to do. And yeah, mm-hmm. just talk.
1: Well, as I say, like, for, as a mom, you take on every feeling that, you know, your child gives you or, or shows. And so I had this, this side to it. I had all the kids who were very young, and I was taking them away from their whole life, you know, and, and everything, the family and everything, and we were deciding to do this. And we brought our kids in on the story right from the beginning when Des was offered the position we were in South Carolina before we came here and we brought them in on that story and we wanted to ha- have them pray for themselves to pray for what was their situation in all of that story um, so it was it was a, a wild time and it was crazy it was mental Des and I decided we were going to you know pray through uh, this uh, time and read through acts and um we did all of that Um, but so me and Des are very different Des is like the forever optimist I'm forever the pessimist right I can tell you what bad things are going to happen next week in a heartbeat Des can tell you how great things are and how great they will be like that's just the way he is so all the while we're talking about this and talking about what you know whether we believe Jesus is calling us to the states or not and he's like yeah, we're going to do this and we can beat this and this is what God, and it's going to be great and the kids will love it and blah, blah, blah. And literally, in my head, all I was hearing was blah, 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 blah. Like, what is he talking about?
0: It's kind of still that way. Like,
1: yeah, blah, I do say blah. to him sometimes, like, stop talking because I'm blah, blah, blah. Um, True story. So, I, that's all I could hear. And... Whether you agree with this next statement or not, this is, this is what happened. And I, actually, I said to Des like, you cannot tell me what you read, what you think Jesus told you, blah, blah, blah. And that's having an impact on me because I have to go. And know, if I go, it's because Jesus has told me. Like I'm not gonna, I, I can't go because Des deemed it. Yeah, it's the right thing, I have to know. And Jesus knew that. And, and as much as that, you know, some people might go, wow, that's not very good on your husband who's meant to be the let, head of
0: let, the me, let me just back you up on this. Because some of you like going, heretic, here we go. <laughs> let me just lean in here real hard. Number one, all of life in England, all of life and everything to do with it. All of her whole world, four preteens and teens, and all of the emotion, every single moment of the emotion they were feeling, it was Mel who was up at midnight talking through with them those situations. Mel discipled our four kids through it. I didn't. I was like, this is where we're going. She discipled them. I want to say it right now. All four of our kids are plighted in the house of the Lord today. And they were discipled by this woman because they got to navigate going through absolute nonsense upheaval. I mean, you've not shared this at this gathering, but you, when the Lord called us, you were like, why would you do that, Jesus? Why would you do that? Why would you tell us to leave all of this? Life wasn't terrible at all. Why would you do it? You're frustrated with God, but still willing to listen to him. I've heard it said, man is the husband is the head, of the family and the wife is the neck, Heresy, 100% heresy, complete and utter wrong. This is what I believe from Ephesians, clearly what I see. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave up his life for a listen. My wife, I may be the head of the family. She's my crown. Where does she therefore sit? This submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So I and my role in loving my wife as Christ loves the church, where does she get to sit? She's the crown. And she was leading that family through that unbelievably. She's the one who lost all the sleep. She's the one because some of our kids like to have a conversation at silly hours of the night, you know, all of that she did all of that but she stood firm because listen unless she was following Jesus she has to be following Jesus she has to be following Jesus it's not my faith it's her faith and the two become one so I I cannot and, and that's where the miracle was because against everything of staying or leaving, everything, the only way that that family was going to be uprooted and sent here was if Jesus spoke to her. So when she said that with me, I went, I'm in. I didn't push back and go, you just do what I say. I went, I'm in.
1: But you've got to believe, you've got to know that you you believe, believe Jesus knows how to deal with you, right? So, um, mm-hmm. and I think that's important. like, Jesus knew what I needed so that therefore that when we did do the calling and, and God asked us to do this, I couldn't by any stretch of the imagination then throw it all back on Des and go, you're the husband and you've done all this to all of us and now we're in this fat disaster. No, I have my own like foundation of, I can't get away from the fact that I have to believe what God told me. So even in the bad days, the terrible, I've got a million rubbish, terrible stories when we're in South Carolina. Like there's too many to actually tell you of what went wrong. And yeah, I I sent two of the kids. You guys, You have pencil boxes. There's sandwich boxes in England. I sent Joel and Zach to school with sandwiches in a pencil box, and they got made fun of, right? And I had to change it. There are so many crazy stories I think I
0: I don't mind having a bit of time here. (laughs) We arrived in the United States on a Friday. The kids were in school Monday. Wow. Okay? Just the way it is. School started, you're in school. We get there Friday. Tell them about that Sunday afternoon, what, what we gifted our family with
1: so we had to go um to walmart never been in walmart before yeah
0: if you've never been in walmart and you go to walmart for the first time
1: so we went to walmart and they, they were going to a school that had kind of like a, a dress code right so apparently never even heard of this word like before we came like you had to wear khakis what the heck are khakis i don't know like, and, and you can get them from Walmart, okay, what's Walmart? I, so that's, that's the base level we were at. We had no, knew nothing and we had to send four children into a horrendous, like, awful place, school. <laughs> and we went into Walmart and we said, I said, right, okay, khakis, we've got to find some khakis, right? So we figured out they were shorts. And we went, we grabbed a lot of pairs, but then we we're looking at sizes. What the heck is husky? I don't know. What is husky? husky? I don't know. What's a You've got husky? all these different types of sizing, and I'm like, just grab some. So we just grabbed some, and, we, and I took all four kids in these family changing rooms and
0: polo shirts it, and khaki shorts.
1: It did not go well, and everybody was shouting, and we were all like on high level emotional. Des was still outside, and then we all just broke down in Walmart. And all, all five of us, Des was stood outside, were bawling our eyes out in this changing room, me included. We were just like, let's let's just leave. And Des is texting me on his phone, "Where the heck are you? Are you done yet? Are you coming out?" Like it, it was, it was just thing after thing after thing that could have made me think, "Oh my word." We made the wrong decision. I didn't hear from God, like, and to the extent where actually South Carolina was not our place to to then stay, and we knew that after a number of months, um, that it wasn't our place to stay. God was just using that for a moment, and in that moment, honestly, I genuinely thought, "Wow, I got it wrong. Like, we weren't meant to come, and now the kids have gone through all this." they're going to hate church. They're going to not follow Jesus. And I'm going to be the worst mom in the world. And as I say, I'm a pessimist. I'm like, I've, I've gone 20 years down the road and all the kids are wild. And, but I had to, like, I had to believe I had, I had. I, believe, I believe Jesus then, I still have to believe Jesus now. And I have to believe that that's what he told me to do. And, and it's the same with all of us. That's the only choices we get. We don't get an in-between on the difficult seasons of life. We get a, do you believe me, or do you not? When it's good, when it's bad, when it's not so great, when it looks like it's going wrong, when it looks like you made the wrong decision, are you gonna believe me still?
0: Um, Can we have a few more minutes? Is that all right? I'm doing it anyway. Um, So, it's Mother's Day. And th- this randomly came up at the 9, and I think it's worth sharing here. Didn't expect to, to plan this at all. Um, for, for some of you, you mums in the room, you know the seasons of life that are, you just, you're making it up every day, aren't you? you just, it's improvisation all the time. And there's painful moments. And uh, I, I recall there's, there's been seasons where it, it's really dark and really hard. So we have four, our eldest is our only girl, she was born. But between Naomi being born and Aaron being born, we lost one. What was that like in that season? You're you're in your 20s, it's all there, your hopes and dreams. Where is that and and where was God's faithfulness in that? Mm
1: Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's, there's lots of us that have been through those moments that you could go back to in a heartbeat where you go, wow, like, that was like a dark time. That was a difficult situation. And, and it was, and um, Naomi was like 10 months old, and I was and eight, no, no, eight months old, and I was on. pregnant. Then by the time she turned one, we'd lost that baby. And I remember, like, just being in, like, this like days almost, and being in a store and going, wow, people are buying, just buying groceries and stuff, and I'm stood here, and everything, the world's carrying on, and I, I don't know how to do this. Um, and it's a real feeling of, of loss, of mourning, but everything around you is carrying on, um, but I knew God was still good. I knew, I knew God was still in that. Sometimes we think that God's removed himself when something difficult is happening, or, or we got it wrong, that's why we're in this difficulty. And it's not, we just have to believe what we believed. Last week, last year, we have to believe that Jesus is in it, that Jesus is taking us through these things for a reason. Um, And there there very often is a reason, you know, I talked about bringing all the kids over to um, America and when we had to do that and the trauma that they all went through individually in their own story and that only, that in itself, we can see just simply is they've all gained their own grit and resilience to life. They've, they've through that, they can now figure their lives out with that resilience that says, "No, life is not always easy, but God is still good. I still believe Jesus." But they've built up that resiliency, and when we go through those things, just like they all had to. That's how, they, that's how we build it. That's how we grow our resilience, our grit, our determination to still do what Jesus has asked us to do.
0: I know we could go on for hours. We're already over time. It wasn't my fault this week. It was hers. Um, but no, I'm joking. I just want to say in closing this section and bring it, land the plane. Um, this is how we will do this actually right now. Um, I'm going to ask all of our prayer partners and elders to come down front right now because this will speed me up. Um, like right now, prayer partners and elders come down front. The headline I was trying to bring about today was we experience God's faithfulness and we trust in Him. Faith. That's when we experience it. And, and, I, and I'm going to, I'm gonna abuse the opportunity without any shadow of doubt. My, my bride of coming upon 31 years, without any second place nearby, is the strongest, I ain't just talking to biceps, she is the strongest woman, physically, mentally, relationally, emotionally, the strongest woman I've ever encountered. But the why, is because through all of the storms of life, it's Jesus. So for you today, I, I just wanna, like, I don't know I'm batting way above my league, you're incredible. Thanks for sharing with us, darling. Give us some applause, if you would. Yeah. Yeah. So this is how we, we end today I've gone a little long, we did, but it's alright and that's this some of you in your life right now you know all today was about was him saying to you, do you trust me in this? do you trust me in this? trusting in him isn't just going here Jesus, have it it's, I would, would you walk with me in this? in it that might mean he course corrects you but trust in him so you're going to come out for prayer because there's something related. Maybe some of you mums today, it's one of your kids or whatever it may be, and you just go, What? Come out for prayer with that. The worst thing you can do is leave the same way as you arrived. Come out for prayer. And it's a surrender and it's a trust in Him for something in your life, not just your mums, maybe you dads, maybe something going on in your life, maybe the uncertainty of your future, you young guys. There's just this uncertainty. It doesn't seem to make sense. and It's not logical, but I need to trust Jesus. So you come and the two of you what on earth come in the name of Jesus and pray for it. And then walk by faith, continued, all right? So that's your response time today. And if there's not enough prayer partners and you need to get in line, then get in line we can stay. It's worth it. I'm gonna pray right now because our closing song today, we haven't done it for a long time. It's so, so perfect, is build my life. I'll build my life because it's the firm foundation on jesus his word and his love and i'll build it's a firm foundation i will put my trust in him alone and i will not be shaken because everything else around is shaky but in him there is foundation that is strong on the rock would you all stand let me pray the team will come out and lead us Um, babe will you come out and be one of the prayer partners in case some of you feel you need to go to Mel so if you're a mum or a mum to be and you want that like come out I just bullied her then. did you see that? it's all good come on out I didn't do that at the name. let's pray King Jesus we trust in you because you really can be trusted you love us so much you gave everything for us and so we just know, Lord, that you know what it's like when things don't go to plan. You know what it's like when things, when people say things, do things, let you down, disappointments. And yet you entrust us your authority, your power. So we invite you, Holy Spirit, to fill us to overflowing. We receive that power from the Holy Spirit to be your witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. And would you encourage our friends in this room right now not to leave the same way as they came in but to as an act of surrender come out and receive prayer entrusting you with a specific thing in our life right now that we need to know your firm foundation we give you praise Lord we give you praise for your faithfulness in Jesus name Amen